so good to see everyone here today that uh, joined us for the ride to Nabum Spreit yesterday. And I know some folks headed to, to Porch as well to support it. Joel there, thank you guys for being faithful and being here this morning. So I had the privilege of uh, doing about a 400k trip yesterday with my wife for the first time in about a year. And... Um, we headed to a, to a wedding yesterday, and they told us that there's a, there's a short piece of gravel to the venue. What they left out was the 10-kilometer part and the sand part. <laughs> so uh, I must say that uh, something that builds unity on a bike is uh, riding through thick sand on a road bike. <laughs> so just uh, thank you to, to the Lord for keeping us safe and uh, keeping the wheels straight. We made it, we're here today. And I must say it's quite a joy to, to have this fellowship with, with all of you here today. Now, today I wanna speak to you about the call to serve. And the story is told of this uh, missionary journeying through the uh, south of America, uh, in the rainforest, and he's been journeying for days with uh, a translator and a few trusted assistants. And as it is with rainforests, you know, it's, it's raining, it's wet, it's muddy, there's bugs and it's a, it's a nasty affair, and one of the things that, that takes quite a punishing is your, your boots or your hiking shoes. So that evening, as with every evening, this group of guys set up uh, camp, and uh, they prepare supper together. After supper, they uh, have some worship, and they pray for this uh, distant, this remote community that they've set out to go and minister to. So the next morning when this uh, missionary gets out of his tent, he was quite shocked to find that his boots that he had left outside his tent is clean and it's dry. So. In his shock, he stares across the camp because he's baffled by this because he knows that he left wet socks and muddy boots outside of his tent. And as he stares across the camp, he sees the translator just finishing with another pair of boots and putting it in front of one of the assistant's tents. And then, then God drops in this missionary's heart that he is to disciple that translator and equip him for evangelism. Now, long story short, it was this translator that ended up ministering to this remote community and planting a church there from which many future missionary ventures were to follow. So you see, folk, we gain the right to minister into people's lives through serving. 
And I would like to share five things this morning with you on the call to serve. Now we read in Matthew 20 verse 28 that Jesus himself came first to serve, not to lead. But it was in serving that he became the greatest leader that this world has ever seen. And God says in his word in Matthew 20 verse 16 that those who are last will be first and those who are first will be last. So those who esteem others higher than themselves, who put the interests of others above their own interest, they are the ones who will be advanced by God. So before becoming great leaders, we need to become great servants. And when we are appointed as leaders, it simply means the call to serve has increased. Because you see, folk, the reward for serving is serving. So I'll repeat that. The reward for serving is serving. If you can page with me to John 13, verse 4 to 5. And we all know this uh, story. It says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And I think the important part to note here is we read that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We don't see there that he washed everyone except Judas's feet. We read there that he washed the disciples' feet. So that means he did it for all of them. That means Jesus knelt before the man that sold him out and he washed his feet. And I think there Jesus set the example for us on how to serve. And we read further on that Peter was the one who, who refused this act of Jesus. And he was hesitant. And if we look at the historical setting of the day, we, we see that many households had servants. And obviously the larger households had, had more servants. And each servant had his, his job. You had one for cooking, one for feeding the horses, one for cleaning the house. And the least important servant, the, the lowest of the low, the, the servant that was a nobody, he got the dirty job of washing visitors' feet. So Peter realized this. And we see then that uh, Jesus sets the example here for unconditional service. And if we continue to read John 13, verse 14 to 17, it says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. 
I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, and here's the important part, God will bless you for doing them. I need to, to do service. So, when we serve like we were called to serve, we will enjoy the blessing that follows. And this blessing goes far beyond the, the physical. I believe this blessing is the immeasurable. It's a blessing that can't be measured, it can't be contained. And I think it's, it's something like strengthening our character or growing my relationship in Christ. And I think also that in serving, the reward is also to lead others to salvation in Christ. And that can't be measured. If I truly have a reverence for the Lord, I will serve unconditionally as he did. So, serving will then most definitely strengthen my relationship with God. For serving is the very thing that, that we were called to do. And we read then in, in 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11 that every follower has been given at least one spiritual gift to use to the body of Christ. And the thing is, often we discover these gifts in the act of, of serving. The second thing I want to share with you is all followers of Christ are called to serve. See, we forget that following God and serving is a 24-7 calling for all who follow him. So it is not determined by what I am comfortable with or what I have time for. As believers, we should realize that part of the joy of being saved in Christ is to serve. And this call to serve, is, it, it's set by God, it's a, it's a command of His for all who follow Him. See, Jesus asks us to do only what He did. And then, I think more important than that, or, well, that's what's coming uh, to, to me, is uh, Jesus asks us to do what He knows we can do. He won't expect something from you that He knows you can't do. And in that, we see God's grace. And I think it's important to note that God has equipped us to serve. He has given us the ability to serve. Now, the Great Commission is a, an honorable calling by our king to serve like he did. 
See, because we can't make disciples and spread the gospel if we're not willing to serve. To get the word out there, we need to serve. And how surrendered I am to Christ will determine the impact I have on the lives of others. It will determine how I serve. See, if I'm not fully surrendered to Christ, I won't be able to fully serve. My serving will then be dictated, it will then be determined by myself and not the Holy Spirit. But we should understand that the Holy Spirit will keep on challenging us to serve. But it's up to us to take hold of those opportunities and to go and serve. For serving builds relationships. And we read in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I know some of the older translations speak about loving your neighbor above yourself. So how are we to, to show this love? People need to see that you love them, that this Jesus love that's in you gets practiced. And we show this love by serving. The third thing I want to share is to serve is to honor. I'd like to talk a minute on this word honor. In 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, and specifically the last part of verse 30, it's often referred to as the honor principle. And this is, this is God's words. He says, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. And there's quite a significant amount of scripture about honor, and, and we see the, the reason for this is that when we honor others, we honor the God that created them. And I believe that the synonym for this word honor is serve or to serve. Now we can show honor through many ways. We can show it by what we do, by what we say, by what I think. Regardless of whether it is seen or, or heard by others, it's a matter between me and God. And again, Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 12, verse 30 to 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. So again, how are we to show this love to all around us? We show it by honoring them, and we honor them by serving them. And if we look at some examples of the people who we are to honor. If we have to mention a few, I think of civil leaders or our government officials, civil servants, spiritual leaders, 
And this includes our pastors, and for those in, in the CMA, it includes your CMA leadership. It includes our peers, it includes uh, the people we work with at the office, and it even includes those who were entrusted to our authority. And here's something to think about. The next time someone makes you so angry that you feel it, it's going to be war. You know, that thing of, you know, hold me back, hold me back, so I don't, so I hit this guy. Stop. Pause for a moment. And look at that person through God's eyes. He desires as much for them to be saved and get to know him like he desires for you to get to know him. And he loves them just as much as he loves you. And there where someone's actions or words are, are truly not biblical, and it's not just me taking offense of something I need to deal with. There I need to speak God's life-giving truth into that person's life. So that... The, the recourse or the, or the correction can be a catalyst for hope and victory. I need to inspire that person in the correction. Now, we all know the story of, of David. When he was anointed as, as king, Saul got uh, very jealous and he wanted to kill David. He attempted to do so numerous times. And when David fled, Saul assembled an army and he hunted David down. And then we read in 1 Samuel 24, verse 6, these words of David. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. And in 1 Samuel 26, verse 9 to 11, No, David said, don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. So we read that David, in spite of Saul wanting to kill him, David did not once harm Saul. He didn't once disrespect him. He never spoke dishonorably of Saul. He never spread rumors about Saul, and he never gossiped about Saul. You see, David understood something very, very important, and that is that Saul, like all leaders, are appointed by God. Even though some neglect the duty to lead, David understood that as God appoints all leaders, he will remove that leader from that position 
if that leader does not honor him, it is not for human beings to remove people from leadership. For where a leader does not honor those he leads, it shows that the desire to honor is absent, so the will to serve will be lacking. See, if we don't have a burning desire to honor God by honoring those whom he appointed as leaders, we will struggle to serve. We will struggle to serve those in our churches. For the CMA folk, you will struggle to serve those in your chapter. We will struggle to to serve those at the office. And most important of all, we'll struggle to serve those who do not yet know Jesus. And if we put this simply, in, in, in layman's terms, for me, this just say, says that then I'm missing the Great Commission. See, if I don't serve, I miss God's call to go and spread the gospel. See, often how we act, what we do, what we say, is the only Bible or the first Bible that someone else is see. So does Does the people around you see Jesus in you by what you say and by what you do? If we look at some scriptures, Romans 13 verse 1 to 2 speaks about honoring our civil leaders. And it says the following, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And for me, this is the the punchline. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Verse 7, if we just jump down to verse 7, it says, And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So can we be successful, effective leaders for God if I'm not willing to honor those whom he has placed in authority over me? But let me be clear on on this, that I am to do what my leader expects of me to do unless it goes against God's word. So as long as what's expected of me is in line with God's word, I honor that leader and I do what is expected of me. See, often folk rebel against authority because what's expected of them is against their own selfish standards. We need to be careful here and discern between our standards 
and God's holy, perfect standards. So, do you think we can pray over our country and for our leaders and then speak doom and gloom when we're around the bry fire? So we pray one thing, we talk another thing, and then we expect things to change in our country. You see, folks, what I pray and what I speak needs to be the same thing. I'm also to honor my spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your, your souls, and they are accountable to God. And hear this, it says, give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. And again, a warning, it says, that would certainly not be for your benefit. So, how can I serve my spiritual leaders? I can be on time for, for church or any other appointment I might have with them. I can serve them by coming a bit early or leaving a bit later to help with setup or cleaning afterwards. I'm to speak respectfully of my spiritual leaders and I am to assist them wherever I can. See, as a servant, I am called by Jesus to build and strengthen. And here's something to think about. How is it that when our spiritual leaders ask us to join a prayer or a ministry or a worship gathering, that we have 10 excuses? This is something you know, this person has, be, has been placed in this position, the spiritual leader, and he asks me to attend this, and then I have 10 other excuses. That's just something to think about. And I'm also to, to honor my, my peers, and we know serving requires us to give. So are we obedient in giving? When God tells me to give, do I give or do I hold back because I don't trust God to provide for me when I give? Do I inspire or dishearten other people? Do I give hope? Is what I do and say based on God's love or my emotions? Let's bring honor right into the home. Ladies, do you hold your husband in high regard? Are you being Jesus to him?
Do you speak ill or negatively of your husband when you're with other women? Or do you honor him? Do you watch or read things that belittle or mocks the husband's role in the house? Or belittle or mocks the father's role in the family? See if we have a look at Proverbs 13, uh, sorry, 31 verse 11 in the New King James Version. We see something very important there. And ladies, that is that you've been entrusted with the most valuable thing on this earth. And that is to keep your husband's heart safe. Husbands, is your wife your standard of beauty? You are to compare her with no other woman. She's God's daughter. Does she know that you love her? As a husband, I must use my strength to highlight my wife's grace and beauty. As the head of the home, I am to be the lead servant. I am to take the lead in serving. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, If I do not honor my wife, my prayers will not be answered. I'm also to honor those who are entrusted to my authority. And we see in Matthew 25, verse 40 to 45, and again in Matthew 18, verse 5, the word speaks about little ones. And where the word speaks about little ones, it does not only refer to, to children. It refers also to those who are looking up to us, those who are looking to us for, for leading, for direction, those who have been entrusted into our authority. If I do not honor those entrusted to my authority, it means I have an ego problem. It means that I focus so much on myself that I've lost focus on God. Does what I speak and do encourage those I lead to greatness? And this really got me thinking this question. It says, what's your motive for leading the way you lead? Point number four. Serving is showing Jesus' love to the world. Now, I would like to propose that we show Jesus' love to the world in how we serve, honor, and obey. 
In fact, I want to go as far as to say that how I serve is a reflection of the depth of my relationship with Jesus Christ. How I serve is a reflection of the depth of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is Dave Willis that said, don't treat others the way they treat you. Treat them the way God treats you. See, when we think like the world or, or like popular culture that says, I can choose when I serve and who I serve and where I serve. I can choose who I honor. See, we, if we think like that, it means I am selectively applying the living word of the Almighty God. Can I really willfully choose to disobey parts of God's word and then expect the full measure of his favor? I need to be all in for Jesus. And if we, if we look for a minute at, at the church, my serving should never be contained within the walls of the church. Where there is a need, there is an opportunity to serve and an open door to minister. If someone has a need and I've got something to offer to fulfill that need, I don't only have an opportunity to serve, but I have an opportunity to minister to that person. A familiar scripture in Luke 10 verse 2 tells us that the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. And we know that this, this means that the men and women willing to spread the gospel and the good news of salvation in Christ, they are, they are few. But I would also like to propose that, that this means that the men and women willing to serve like Jesus did, they are also few. I believe that if we serve with the, with the authenticity, the humility and the love that Jesus did, we will ignite such an immense, such deeply intense desire in others to have what we have, to get to know the one we call our Redeemer, that the motorcyclists of South Africa, the people of this country, will turn to God like we've never seen before. You see, there's always more need than willing workers. This was true in Christ's day, and it's true also today. And if we again look at the church, it's never a problem to find a need in your local church. 
from evangelizing the community, which we are called to do, by the way, to cleaning the church grounds. There's always plenty of work to be done. Now, for those who would like to get more involved at your local church, may I encourage you to go and have a talk with, with your pastor or the, or the church board and hear what's the need. How can you assist? You might find that you are the one that they've been waiting for. Lastly, point number five, the call to serve is a call to love. Galatians 5 verse 13, and specifically the last part of verse 13 says that the call to serve is a call to love. You see, for endless performing without love, is meaningless. So, as we go about serving God and, and people like us, let's, uh, let's do so with humility and with brotherly love. See, take courage today and step out. And say, I will honor like Jesus honors me. I will serve like my Savior did. My loving Father is the almighty God of heaven's armies. And the Holy Spirit is my teacher and my guide. I've been called to serve because my God has equipped me to serve. By the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ, I am able to serve. How I serve will not be determined by this world, but by the living word of God. Choose today to lay down yourself and affect eternal change for Jesus. As the, the band comes up, I would like to, to close with the following. takes courage to, to serve. It takes courage to step out and, and do what, what no one else wants to do. Serving challenges us to, to go beyond what we are comfortable with. It challenges us to step out of our comfort zones so that we may bring others into the comfort of Jesus Christ. Serving grows and builds relationships. Now, 
if you were challenged by this message and, and like me, you know that you have not been serving the way you've been called to serve. You've not honored the way you've been called to honor. You've been selective in where, when, and who you serve. I would like to, to pray for you. So, I would like to, to step out with you today and say, yeah, I am, Lord. Send me. I want to serve like you served. I want to honor others like you honor me. Will you stand with me? Let's close our eyes in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here together today as a, as a family in Christ. Thank you for your limitless love for me, Lord. Thank you that, that you've made each and every one of us wonderfully and fearfully in your image. Lord, I choose today to lay down myself and come before you, Lord, and ask for forgiveness. For I have not been serving to the full potential you've instilled in me. I choose today, Lord, to joyfully serve like you did. Yeah, I am God. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. Yeah, I am Lord. Send me. Amen. And I trust that as we exit these doors today and into the harvest field that we will be a light to the world in how we serve. So, before we head our ways and spend a Sunday afternoon with loved ones and recharge for the work that lays ahead, I would like to, to pray for us. Father God, I, I thank you for today and I pray that as each and every one of us go our separate ways, Lord, that you will keep us safe. Lord, that you will encamp your angels around each one of us guide us during this week Lord and bring us all back here together and together again here next Sunday so that we may enjoy this fellowship again 
And as we gonna enjoy some good food now, Lord, we just want to pray and ask that you would bless the food in our bodies, use it to strengthen our bodies. And we pray also, Lord, that you would bless the hands that so lovingly prepared all this food for us. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.